Hey there, cats and kittens. Geraldine speaking on another pre-podcast announcement. And this is an exciting one. I can finally tell you about six years after I wrote the show that I'm going to have an album launch for the last gig in Melbourne. Now, don't worry, that's not me actually doing my final gig. Although, who knows? Every gig could be my last one. It's a crazy world. It's actually the name of the show that I wrote in 2011, 2010 with assistance from the City of Melbourne Arts Grant. They put a bit of uh, arts money into it to help me put it up. I paid for the rest and uh, it took me five years to get the album done and anybody who's supported the Possible campaign will know all of the shit that happened in the lead up to the album finally coming out. But we did it. Everyone worked really, really hard. Everyone was very supportive and the album's finished and it's taken nearly another year to be in a position to be able to do a launch. It's the 11th of December. It's a Bella Union, which is where the whole thing started. It features two of the original band members, Martin Lubrin and Sonia Horbelt. It features three of the album band members, Kelly Santon, uh, Mark Jones and Ash Smith. It does feature... The wonderful Casey Bonetto, who was the original director of the show and played in the band when we did it five years ago. Five goddamn years! Five years! And I also have the wonderful Oliver Clark as my support act. It's quite an early gig. It's a Sunday, so doors open at 5.30. The show starts at 6 with the support act, and we're going to be playing the whole album, 11th of December. It's really super cheap. If you pre-book, it's only $15 plus booking fee. It's 20 bucks on the door. And there's a special, if you pay $25 and you're pre-booking, you will also get the album thrown in. I've got possible rewards that haven't been part of the possible campaign because I had to do like a minimum order. So there's going to be some other merch available as well. I will be looking for someone to help me out selling all that stuff. Please just please book, please come 11th of December. You can book tickets by going to bellaunion.com.au. Do it. And now episode 20. Hey there, cats and kittens, and welcome to episode 20 of Bang on the Strillers, the cabaret podcast with me, your host, Geraldine Quinn. Now, who on earth am I going to be talking to? Well, I was talking to Richard Chadwick and his alter ego, Karen from Finance. We discussed the New South Welsh lockout laws, bio queens, the infamous RuPaul's Drag Race slash Foxtel incident, Maltine flamethrowers, plaster animals, and whether Dolly Parton is actually a robot. Don't forget to book tickets to the next performance of Nancy at the 86 in Collingwood on the 3rd of December 2016. And please, for the love of Christ in God, book tickets for my album launch on the 11th of December at Bella Union. Both of them are fantastic events and we really need your support. Oh, also, there's a lot of swearing in this. Just remember that it might fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, something weird could happen with the sound card. Yeah, sure. With podcasts. They get, get your microphone in some people's face and they just change. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was what I was just talking, I think I was just talking with James <laughs> Wellsby the other day about, uh, I've mentioned like the day that I went in and saw you and Kyle in Joy. Oh. And how funny it is that, yeah, as soon as you've, a microphone is put in front of your face, it gets... Get, it changes everything. And it is even doing radio, I guess, is similar to a podcast where uh, you're talking 
Well, no, it's different because in radio you're talking to an audience that you don't, you can't see and you can't engage with. So you just have to presume they're there and sort of like it has a really funny way of of coming into your head. But a podcast is really just a conversation between yeah. me and you like this. Yes, yeah, it is. Mm. Yeah, with radio I think it's like you're ha- trying to have an interesting conversation while you just know everyone's like looking at you. Yeah, and you're purposefully <laughs> like you're this excited piece. Uh, I don't know, it's because it's short and sweet and you start laughing more than you're supposed to. It's so weird. But also trying not to laugh too much so you don't sound like a crazy hyena. <laughs> but that's what I inevitably sound like every single time I go in there. But you and Kyle were so good at it, such professionals. Really? Yeah. I don't even remember. Oh. It's just we've just been on Joy FM so many times. So many times, it's all a blur. <laughs> um, so welcome to my tiny little, slightly warm house. It's so nice to be here, Richard Chadwick, also known as Karen from Finance. <laughs> Thank you for coming out to my southeastern neck of the woods. It's really sweet, is it? There's just as much Bowie as I thought there would be. <laughs> Do you? You know, I look around sometimes and I think, oh, am I still a child? No. Because you're one of those good people that those elements of child will never disappear and it becomes part of the adult. Some people think that's not good. <laughs> I think it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so necessary. I feel like I've been numbing down like my home and my like uh, eclectic things and everything that I collect to make myself look like more of an adult and yeah. it's, not, it's not as comfortable. Well, what sort of things would you have that you would say were your childish you that you've hung on to? I, I've always had a really big collection of those cheap, nasty, like, plaster uh, animals that you get from the $2 store. You know, like, they're, they're like uh, decorations for the garden in the suburb, but <gasps> I love to have them on the shelves. Gorillas, giraffes, elephants, the works. That's amazing. And especially pigs. The last house I lived in, we nicknamed the Trough, and we just had, like, 40 pigs on the shelves. And I never, I never want to get rid of them. <laughs> Do you know, when I was a small child, um, my dentist would give us those little plaster animals as a reward. So yeah. not give you sweets, you get I got a little plaster cat that was about I don't know four inches high and you, then you co- you go home and you painted it yeah I know exactly the ones you're talking about you had yeah, a yeah, whole yeah. covered of them it was fantastic I bought a little budgie on a year 11 trip to Uluru I bought a little budgie from a souvenir store it was tiny and I, I can't remember what I called it but I treated it like a pet the whole holiday and it became like this uh, uh the mascot of the trip, I guess. And the other kids were so nasty. They, they would steal it from me and, like, <laughs> put it in a spot that I had to find it. It was <laughs> tortured me. I think that was when I first fell in love with the little plaster animal. But, yeah. <laughs> it was a rescue thing. It was yeah. like, I need to save you all. <laughs> <laughs> My friend in the desert. <laughs> no. Well, that's a problem. You collect bits and pieces as you get older and you start going, that'll be useful uh, if I ever have a place, I'd like to use this to decorate it. If I ever do this, I'll do this with that. And then you also have that thing where you're low income. Yeah. And so you don't throw anything out because you're like, no, because I might be able to use that for this. <laughs> if I throw it out, I'll have nothing. I need to I need to hang on to it. One day there'll be a beautiful shelf that this will look great on. Yeah, or it's just stuff that you go, it's a bit broken, but I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> if I can get it fixed, I won't, I won't have to buy a new one. Yeah. I have so many broken things. So, yeah, so many. <laughs> I, I just was like recently moved in with my partner and we had to like combine a wardrobe. So I thought I'll throw out everything that I don't wear hmm. and threw out everything, but then had no money to buy new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, a beautiful wardrobe of lady gowns and then like one shirt and a pair of pants that I 
fucking wear. It's basically this tracksuit I'm sitting in right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, when I got out of hospital recently, I just I um had a little bit of money that um and I went down to just the Supre and I just got the cheapest, yes. biggest, crappest, so unethical. <laughs> totally just, right. I mean, I'm I'm in leggings and a giant t-shirt, <laughs> and and it's, I think it's because when you have to do so much rigmarole to get dressed for your job, as you know, yeah. you just get home and go, ah. It, de- it defeats your personal life. That's why I had to go out and dye my hair blue last week. <laughs> I had to. I was looking at, at the Richard and I was like, you just don't put any effort into yourself anymore. <laughs> well, I thought about you. I was actually, wa- I genuinely was wondering what you were going to turn up wearing. Right. Because, I mean, I'm getting a bit older. And, and so one of the, the reasons I try to get fit again is because I've got a, I've got a really good wardrobe. I don't yes. fit into it right now. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, I'd like to, it's like having a new wardrobe without spending. Any Without money. spending any money, it's motivation in itself, right? Yeah, and I thought, oh, do you know what? I used to make much more of an effort when I was sort of went out and tried to make myself look nice. But now that I do so much on stage, it's kind of, oh god, that's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> I can't be asked. I wonder what Richard's going to turn up wearing because yeah. he has to do about thirty to forty percent more work than I do <laughs> when he gets ready for work. <laughs> oh, the time it just takes off. I was I was talking to someone last night at a gig actually. She uh, just. I've known her, her name's Megan. I've been working with her for years and years and years. And we've been friends for years, but she has forgotten that, like, Richard and Karen are the same person. Because there's so much, I guess, so much time goes into changing, like, how you look. She just sees them as two different people. And I, I feel like that sometimes. And I thought coming over here today, I thought, when was the last time I saw you? As a boy, I thought I actually see you as a boy quite often, but some people, yeah, would think they're still completely different people. It would have been at the Butterfly Club when yeah. you and Becky turned up to, I can't remember whose show it was, and we went to see. It was that, well, yeah, first night of Fringe or something. Yeah, it was something, it was during Fringe. Yeah. Um, but that's an interesting point. I was having a conversation about this with uh, Andrew Desmond, actually, mm. um, about the whole. Uh, self and the other persona and how it's a, a spectrum of choice yeah. in, in the drag world. Some people really, it's another person and totally. other people, it's just you, but you look a bit different. I, yeah, you exactly. know, I think of you as pretty much you, but, but as Karen. Sure. But is that, am I wrong? No, that, you know, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I guess it just depends on yeah how, not so much how well you know someone, but the instance that you know them. Mm. And, and then, uh, the, I mean, the characterization is all in my head, but it's how I choose to put it across as well. Last night I uh, went out to a gig, but I just didn't put any effort in when I was getting ready. <laughs> I looked, I still looked the same, I'm sure, but I didn't mentally put in any effort. Uh. And I got, I got out of the car when I got to the bar <laughs> and I thought, I just feel like Richard in a really stupid outfit. <laughs> And I felt embarrassed to go in. I thought, you're being so stupid. Get in there and have a shot of whiskey and you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm constantly impressed at how much work all you guys do. Like the fact that you you are such a, um, a machine when it comes to producing work and making things. Oh. Uh, a lot of you guys, in Colin as well, polyfiller, like just constant amount of not just doing gigs but just creating things like Nancy, which is monthly at the 86 in Correct. Collingwood. Correct, that's it. And is it, there's another thing that you've been – have you got Have you got a – well, you get the RuPaul – you should talk about the RuPaul Drags Race thing. Oh, yeah. Well, they're, they're... Explain to, to my two or three listeners what happened there. <laughs> Well, I guess we're, yeah, we're in off season at the moment, but uh, RuPaul's Drag Race is coming up to its ninth its ninth season as a show, and it's had a couple of spin off 
seasons as well. Uh, but uh, the last season was All Stars 2, which is one of the spin-offs. And, uh, Presuming some of the stars of previous seasons. Exactly, yes. exactly. So uh, while season eight was airing, I was running a screening party that was underground and completely illegal because RuPaul's Drag Race was... <laughs> do, do I need to edit that? Edit no, no, that no. You can, no, it's, it's the part of the it's, story. Oh, it's, it's openly very illegal. Integral. <laughs> it's, it was openly illegal and I advertised <laughs> it and it was this huge thing. I've been doing it for years and what because uh, RuPaul's Drag Race would play on Foxtel, but it would play six weeks late. It was delayed. Oh, God. Uh, and... It has such a cult following, no one would ever wait that long to watch it. And because it was so hard to download, I had some pretty good uh, like connections and links. And so I would have everyone over at my house is how it started and we'd watch it together. Mm. But it got to the stage of me doing it for like three and a half years where I booked uh, a venue, I was doing it at the, the Curtain Band Room in Carlton, and we were having upwards of 200 people every single week to come and watch this torrented uh, version of RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> on a Tuesday night. And it was just the, the greatest thing ever. And we were putting on drag shows and best dressed competitions and oh, drink specials. And it was just this huge event. But anyway, it got so big that I think Same Same did a, um, a photo blog on uh, episode one of season eight. And Same Same is the... Same Same is a, a queer a queer blog, I guess you could call it, a, a queer news network. Yeah. 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 And uh, they, yeah, they sent a photographer along and put up photos and so that it's national. So it, the, the whole of Australia found out about it and knew about it. And I got an email from Foxtel telling me to stop or they were going to take legal action. Uh, and I just, I just wasn't okay with that. <laughs> and actually, the, well, the, this bit, oh, don't edit out. I'm so happy for people to know, but I, uh, I emailed them back and said, absolutely. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll stop doing it immediately. And I deleted everything off the internet and sent out a message to everyone and said, I'm still doing it. Uh, we'll take two weeks off so that if they come and check the venue, we won't be there, but come along, come along. Anyway, it still went along and it was fun, but we just didn't have that many people because I couldn't advertise that. And I was so frustrated uh, that when All Stars 2 came out and I found out, uh, yeah, it, w- it was going to be on TV in like a week. Oh, no, it was going to be on TV in America in about a week, but we weren't getting it in Australia and I couldn't do a screening party and I was so frustrated. So I launched a campaign online, hashtag give Oz all stars. <laughs> uh, and I basically lobbied Foxtel to give us the show. And it went through this whole network of people. It was Foxtel Australia, the distributor in the UK mm-hmm. and the production company in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And within something like five days... Foxtel bought the show and fast-tracked it to Australian TV. And so now it's totally legal and on time in Australia. Oh, my God. <laughs> because of social media. Well, I remember the letter that you wrote and, and you posted, I think it was a letter or an email that you'd sent. It was an open letter to Foxtel is how it started, yeah. Yeah, and, and it was just, I was so proud of you. Cause I just, <laughs> Thank you. Because I just kind of was like, yeah, do you know what? Like you, sometimes it just does feel like... We're trying to do the same thing, you know. We're all trying to promote the same thing. We you... care, yeah. <laughs> people love it. Yeah. And people want to make an event out of it. And it just feels a bit like I get I get angry with geo-blocking, for God's sake. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect example, yeah. There, there were just times that I'm going, I'm sorry, BBC iPlayer or whoever the hell you are. I really want to watch that. Why don't you give me an option to give you a bit of money so I can watch that? That's exactly right. Like, what's the... What the fuck? <laughs> what the with iTunes stores being geo-blocked. I don't understand iTunes or how it works. I rented a movie from it the other day and then tried to play it through a projector and it said it wouldn't play it because oh. the projector wasn't compatible with iTunes. I thought, but I've already bought the... Anyway, I, oh. that's a whole other thing that I'm not going to get into. I mean, it, 
It's really important that creative work is protected and that people are paid for their creative work. Absolutely. But what feels to me like there's an awful lot of people like ourselves who want to support things. And want to, yeah, who are happy to pay for it. Yeah. And want to do it the right way. Yeah. But we're being blocked. Yeah. yeah. And this was one of those situations. And uh, it, I, I, I never thought that I'd be successful, but it was. And um, now I have this production, this production company in Hollywood uh, that runs and films the biggest, like, thing for drag queens in the world who know my name and, <laughs> so, like, single-handedly gave them tens of thousands of dollars on behalf of Foxtel. And so it, I've made some great connections. <laughs> Transition. How would you describe how Karen started? Oh, well, she, she started, like, everything else that I do as a, as a joke. <laughs> she started as a joke. She, uh, we... Uh, a couple of friends and I were going to a house party and we're at the Selvos uh, early on in the day and we found this rack of really gaudy 80s prom dresses. That they, were, they were on sale for $15 and we bought one each and thought we'd wear it to the party as a joke. And we were super wasted sitting on the bins, I think. And uh, we, we started giving characters to... Uh, the dresses as, as to who would have bought them fresh off the shelf when they were brand new. And the lady that owned my pink, fluffy, <laughs> disgusting, oversized thing, her, her name was Karen and she was a terribly single, like <laughs> sad lady that worked in finance. And, uh, a few, uh, I think it was a few weeks later, I went to her 30th birthday and drag was kind of the theme. And I, got dressed up and named myself Karen from finance at this party and no one knew who I was. They, tr they treated me like the monster I was putting myself across as, and it was just the most fun <laughs> I'd ever had at a party. And <laughs> how, how long ago was that? That was three and a half years ago. It's only been three and a half years. It's only been three and a half years. Yeah. Jeff, you've, you've, uh, you've skyrocketed. <laughs> well, it just got serious real quick. Yeah. I mean, it's, as, yeah. So there, I started doing it more and more because it was so much fun. And then, a friend was putting on an event and asked me to do a number. I thought, well, that seems ludicrous and crazy. I couldn't possibly. Um, <laughs> I'll do it. But I'll, I would love to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to pay, I think he paid me $50 to do it or something. And I put together this number and it was just so much fun. And people responded to it so well. <laughs> and I think I was really, I, I hated drag queens at the time. I used to go and Why? see them when I was like 18, 19 and thought it was fun, but they just confused me so much and I didn't get it. I've always been like, when I was younger, terribly homophobic towards myself because I didn't get it, you know? Right. And over the years, that that's obviously changed. I'm absolutely not homophobic, but I just understand it more and I have a better grasp over everything that it means to be gay. Mm. Um, and drag was just something that I'd never revisited. And so in my head, I was still confused by drag and didn't realise that I had actually become one and was doing it. So the first show that I did was, I mean, it's a drag show now, sure, but I wasn't influenced by drag. I guess I was influenced by like more of like burlesque and theatre and definitely cabaret, which is what I cared about and what I was seeing. And then all of a sudden I was drag queen doing that. And <laughs> but that's that's that interesting. That's a, we were having this conversation as well, Andrew and I, the other night, oh. like that thing of... Um, I mean, I feel like I'm so nervous even saying anything about drag, but I find it a massive influence on what I do. And the people that I particularly like who do it are the people who um, are performance makers. Yes. Um, and that's not to belittle anything else, but, sure. but like people who think of it the way that you just described yeah. as this is a piece about this and these are the gags I'm going to get out of that. And um, you do get quite... Uh, you have quite a lot of complexity to, to what you're doing in the way that 
your editing's got a huge amount to do with, <laughs> with the joke, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, then, and then you'll have other, other people who are just incredibly, they do, they're basically just doing a lip sync, but they're very, very funny. They're really good clowns and they're really, you know. Exactly. And that, that's as valuable. And so these little different shades, it's the same as saying somebody in cabaret could just be up there singing musical covers and somebody else writes their own stuff and somebody else does, yeah. you know, mad shit like, Betty Grumble or, you know, or whatever, or Becky Lou, uh, who's a great performance maker coming out of the sort of burlesque sort of thing. But you've got that theatre background, so you think of it as a whole mm. uh, rather than as a, a piece. And that, like I said, I am so scared right now <laughs> uh, that someone's going to go, how fucking dare you? No, not at all. It's, 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 I think it's a perfect thing to say. You're, you're right. There's, uh, it's almost like there's, uh, oh, you, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to categorise it, but for the purpose of this conversation you could say that there's two sets of uh ways of influencing yourself and there's performance makers that uh sort of specifically concentrated on their single kind of art form and they're like i do this how do i um perpetuate this mm -hmm. and then there's other uh performance makers that'll take influence from everything yeah all walks of life and they're like what can i take from everywhere yeah and i mean both are simply as fascinating as each other but um completely different yeah yeah well, it's a, it's a bit like I felt quite lucky coming out of my uh, uh, three years of self-funded acting training at, at, at the time a non-accredited school. Yes. Uh, going after work and all that sort of stuff. And, but, but sort of coming out and going, I've had this conversation with another comedian friend as well. It's like, we're really lucky we can write. Like we make, we can write something. We can make a thing out of nothing and put it on. Whereas some of the sure. actors who graduated, it felt like if you're if you're not making work, you've got to wait for someone to hire you. That's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah, we're very lucky in that sense. We, uh, I mean, it, it's probably also what makes us insane. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, we your head's constantly going. Even if you've got like a lump of work in front of you that you've just created and you're performing and you're having fun with it, your head is ten miles ahead of you trying to think of what you're doing next which is yeah is it's absolutely what sends us insane but it's what keeps us going as well i really admire sonia who plays drums with me because she makes herself take holidays right um yeah and regularly right and, and, and i think it's a really big structure to the work that she does okay and, and know, that's what keeps her fresh yeah because she makes herself stop i i feel a bit more like as a fringe performer it's you can't <laughs> <laughs> you stop and you be in the in the ground. There's That's no exactly work. Right. <laughs> it's, I haven't got the money. <laughs> well, as soon as I decide, oh, yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a holiday. I'm gonna take a trip. And my first like two hundred dollars of savings, I think I need a new wig now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no holiday, but she's looking good. <laughs> your wigs are getting enormous. <laughs> yeah, they're big. <laughs> <laughs> How do you travel with wigs that big? They're, it's actually a nightmare. If I have to travel, I have uh, a, a separate suitcase just for hair. And it will be the lightest suitcase, yes, but it will course. take up more room than the rest of my costuming put together because they have to be like stuffed with newspaper and then wrapped in tissue paper and then separated by cardboard so they don't touch each other. And it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. I did wonder. I've wondered yeah. for quite a few of you that I've known over the years just yeah. going, how do you, how, how? It's too, it's, it's too, I mean, it, yeah, it's all part of the, I wouldn't dare 
take a wig with me that I didn't have to do that. You know, I, I the bigger the better, and I lo- I love them big. I love them styled. Yeah. If I want to pull it out of the bag, shake it, and pop it in the head, it's not as fun. Have you taught yourself a few things about styling now? No, I, I'm just really good at holding down like the trigger on the hairspray can. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get someone else to make me a beautiful wig, and then I, it's like a can per day just to keep it fresh and. Big. Oh no way! <laughs> There's no life to them. I've, yeah, they're like concrete on my head. <laughs> do you take? Do you have somebody that you take them back to if they get a bit bedraggled? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, there's, there's a, a few people around. There's a few good ones around, but uh, it's, it's all about the way that you care for them because it, it maybe cost you a, like a hundred dollars every time you want it restyled. Mm. So if you just empty the, sp- the hairspray on that and take good care of it, it should last you a, a few months at least. Yeah, mm. a few months. A few months if you're lucky. Oh, year, years if you treat them well. <laughs> oh my god. Years if you treat them well. Uh, I know, knowing how much time it takes to get my hair to look anything other than like a limp Afghan hound. <laughs> I've been considering the wiggage for quite some time, but I, I, don't, I don't know. It's a pretty big shift to my look. Yeah, sure. So I'm not sure. But I would love to be a, a, one of those mad old ladies who's got a ridiculous coloured hair or does wear enormous wigs like... Sophia Loren and yeah. you can see the front. <laughs> oh, you know, I was watching uh, on YouTube last night a video of Dolly Parton accepting <gasps> the Willie Nelson Lifetime Achievement Award in country music. There you go. I remembered that well. Oh, very well. And she, uh, I was, I paused it and I was looking at her hairline. Her wigs, like I know she wears wigs, but they start so far up her head. I'm sure she must be bald underneath. Her forehead imagine? was half a kilometre long. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And she was absolutely wearing a lace front. So that just... Yeah, she mustn't have hair underneath. It's crazy. Well, she's... How old is she, 70-something? She's oh, got to be Oh, you know what? I think that if I'm going to get this right, she was 74 four years ago, so she must be like 78 now. Fuck off! 78. She put out, she put out an album this year. <laughs> I'm Googling this yeah, shit. Yeah, Google. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because I think, I think for the, the first time I saw her, it would have been about... Maybe it was five years ago. She was she very... She was 74, I think. She was very young when she started, which is why it feels like she's been around for so long. Yeah. Dolly Parton. She is amazing, though. Yeah. She's wonderful. She was up there making jokes about Willie Nelson being high. She's so down to earth. Oh, yeah. And incredible. She's... Yeah. Oh, God, no. I, she's, I don't think she's as old as... Nah, she's not as old as you think. Really? Yeah. Unless she started lying. She's only 70. She's only 70? Yeah. Yeah, she's... Born well, in 1946. That makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. She's 70, only, all right. Only, only 70. She's only 70. Yeah. <laughs> the older you get, the less old it seems. Goodness me. Going. I, I don't want to think about it. There's rumours going around that Dolly Parton's actually a robot and she died 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm going to start believing that soon, I'm sure of it. Are you sure they didn't mean Dolly Diamond? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Michael. <laughs> How are we coping with everything and nothing to say at the same time? How are we coping with the world going to shit? Oh, we're not coping. <laughs> I was just talking to Colin, uh, yeah, Polly Filler last night at a gig. She's just come out of like a week of like 
not existing oh, really? since the election. Yeah, and it's really like, I mean, it, it affects everyone differently, but she, she was saying that it really, really got to her. Like it made her physically sick and she was unwell and couldn't leave the house. And I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm pretty frightened about some of the stories that are filtering up from people just getting confronted in the street. Yeah. Kind of stuff in America. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny because sometimes like, I feel like I go through phases with the news of I have to choose when to stop watching it or stop reading it because it, it does, it gets to you and it makes you upset. You, 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 it's almost like, uh, you have to shelter yourself away so that you don't get too depressed from watching the news. But then when you're not, if you're not watching it enough, you, you get thirsty for it and you need to know what's going on, you know? I do think, I do feel like I thought wrong. I do feel like I presumed this is impossible. Yeah. And that I have been reading stuff since and thinking on my own presumptions since and my own behaviour since. I've never, I'm never like crazy kind of um, overtly political and posting a bunch of stuff. I purposefully kind of, I try to find out as as much as I can. I'm a news radio junkie. I try to be a critical thinker, which is tiring, and that's why most people don't bother doing it. But I also try not to just keep posting the first thing I see that's like, oh, this is disgusting, oh, this is outrageous, blah, because... Of course, you need to filter yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and yet I still, even though I thought I'd thought about things really carefully and I'd, I'd been quite thorough in research, I still went, oh, I think we've, I think I was fucking wrong. Well, you think you were wrong? I was wrong about a lot of things, yeah. Oh, Wow. Well, I didn't think it would happen. Sure. I didn't think it would get that far to get to the point of happening. I did think that Hillary was probably a better option than Bernie, but now I'm not so sure. Um, I thought that she was chosen because she was the most likely to stay in power, which is why we keep swapping fucking leaders all the time. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that, I think that was the case. Um, I'm, I have had to ask myself some hard questions about what I presumed would be okay or Okay, maybe I just didn't think people were that. I don't know. I yeah, I think I know what you're trying to say. I uh, I thought better of everyone. I thought better of everyone. Yeah, I thought that we were in a much better situation than we actually are, and I think that that's how a lot of people feel. And I think uh, this is a, a exposed uh, that the split that there is in like Western society at the moment. And uh, yeah, I think that. Uh, I think we've had the the blanket pulled out from over our eyes, there, it, which is horrifying. Yeah. Well, okay. As a, as a female, yeah, I never felt like I got brought up um, being seen as female. I've got three brothers. I've got three sisters. I've got mm-hmm. a very big family. I never felt like a girl, sure. particularly um, <clears throat> that I had girlish interests or whatever else. I mean, there are basically. I don't think my parents brought us up that way. Um. And yet I, I look at things, I look at people who've done really well and, and people who are more prominent now than they would have been 20 or 30 years ago and mm-hmm. women doing really amazing things and people talking about women doing really amazing things and I've never thought for a second until this week okay. that anybody would ever think that that was not progress, that we wouldn't keep going forward that that was that bad. No, I knew about all the men's rights and all that sort of stuff. I know that exists. Mm. But I think the thing that really made me go, oh, fuck, I didn't think it was as bad as this. I I thought if we were strong enough and we were, you know, put our feet down enough and we were firm that 
people would come around, and yeah. I'm realizing and the progress would continue. There's yeah. a, that there are people who won't come around, and one of, I've said this in a podcast before. One of the most frightening things to me on the planet is realizing you're speaking to someone who you can't reason with. Yeah. Who will never consider they might be wrong, and the reason I brought that up is I'm considering I'm wrong okay. because I thought better. So yeah, yeah, and you're thinking. You're, I guess you're reflecting on things that you've said where you've been. You're, the, the the purpose is to sort of make a point or to like uh, solidify a point that you're realizing now is that was never going to be successful in the first place. Yeah, crazy. I, it is frightening to go. Yeah. That person won't. If I lay everything out as a fact, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you can't reason with someone, they're really frightening because it doesn't matter how many facts are in front of them because we're at a point where people are just saying the fact isn't true. Yeah. And that's very scary. There was a good article um, I read last night or the night before about um, about that echo chamber within social media from the alt-right point of view, mm. that the, the Facebook algorithm that mm-hmm. continues to bring up the most popular stories rather than just the normal timeline yep. has got those messages from those people out and has radicalised, to use okay, a word sure. that we use towards terrorism all the time, but it's yeah. radicalised those people who feel, and you know, white men mostly, who feel disenfranchised, the ones who write all the stuff about feminazis and all that sort of stuff, and, and that that's given them, it's put them in touch because there's no fact checker on Facebook. It's just whatever's the most it, popular. Yeah. So more people see it. Sure. The clickbait. Yeah. The, cl- the clickbait is the new news. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, and they had, they quoted, and I'm very sorry, I can't remember. I might cut in with a voiceover and say who it was if you're interested. Hey there, cats and kittens. It's Geraldine from the future here. The person whose name I can't remember is Hossein Darekshan. He's a blogger from Iran and he was imprisoned in Tehran for six years uh, for what he was publishing on his blog. Uh, quite a lot of rhymes in that sentence, but there's, there's no disrespect meant by those rhymes. So, the person whose name I can't recall in the podcast recording, uh, the one who I'm about to talk about now-ish, that's, that's who it is. Now. And he was a blogger and he got out, I think it was in 2014, and the internet had completely changed. And so he back then was going, hey, these trends are going to lead to this. Wow. And they kind of have. Yeah. And I find it so scary that we could go so far with um, with LGBTIQ rights, with um, with people of colour's rights, with women's rights, and that now people are talking about getting yelled at in the street again. Yeah. And where are we at fault for not seeing that that was sitting there? Yeah. Uh, did, did, did we mentally think that we were progressing a lot further that, that everyone we was, actually were. That everyone was coming with us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that is yeah is that is that probably is on our backs for yeah for running too quickly. Well, not running too quickly, but just presuming that because we 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 believe this is the right thing to do. Absolutely. And um, I do think we're right. Uh, yeah, and but I don't so think do that'll they. ever change. But so do they. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe we would we've been too headstrong with. Uh, too headstrong with our beliefs and, and, and where we thought the progress was. I think the whole thing about that echo chamber idea of those people getting in touch with, mm. with each other and, and feeding each other's what I would describe as poison, um, I think that is, oh, I think that is um, 
the essential problem in that they're not seeing anything else. It's a bit like what that great map of, of the Brexit vote, sure. which, which showed you <laughs> who voted Remain <laughs> and how those areas that voted Remain had more contact with immigrants yeah. than the people who said, no, let's go. Yeah. They, they were in areas that didn't, they didn't meet them. Yeah. So they didn't know them. So when people don't, and this is why rural areas in Australia, for example, you tend to have these more, more polarised opinions in terms of equality because they don't maybe meet as many people. Yeah, it's a repeated system. It's kind of, I, I hear stories about that, like, uh, you know, in Sydney with Mike Baird and the lockout laws. And Oh, this is the, what, there was the 2am? Like liquor licensing yeah. thing. What was it again? Yeah, there. Are, I think you need you need to be inside a venue by one, 1 a.m. Otherwise, yeah, yeah there's, you you can't, you can't get, get in. Get you know, you in, can't yeah. buy a bottle of wine after ten p.m. Even at a restaurant, you can't have yeah. a shot after midnight. That that whole thing. Yeah. But uh, uh, I think goodness me, Sydney's like the capital of nightlife in Australia. <laughs> How is that possible? Uh, but it's because of yeah, it's the, like the rest of the Sydney area in, in New South Wales who want bed in for all the other reasons because they're people that aren't associated with the city you know they they're, they're happy for the lockout laws to exist because they're not city people they don't care oh, why do what is, are their reasons for wanting mike bed uh, oh who knows i i i, I, I really <laughs> Sorry, I, thought you knew. I really no i really i really don't know nearly enough about it but the the reason why that's continuing and it's not like a it's not like a, a local council vote or anything is because it's the, the wider majority are voting or sort of like having a stance on something that doesn't actually affect them personally yeah yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Come on, go. we can do better, people. <laughs> we can do better. Come out to cabaret. It's really silly and stupid, and then yes. you can have a big laugh. Yes, and 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 we get to skewer you. <laughs> it's time for a break. That means we're in the middle of the episode, and so we know. Another conversation I had recently, I'd love to hear your point of view. Okay. Apparently they're called bio queens in Australia. Oh, yeah. But I'm, I, I was first introduced to the concept as faux queens, mm-hmm. which, is, um, which is women doing drag, like yeah. extreme female femininity and extremes of, of female presentation but with women and also involving some lip syncing. Yeah, definitely. I was so excited when I first saw some of the American girls doing that a few years ago. It's really fun. Yeah. It's totally fun. I think people are... People's minds on what drag is are, are constantly uh, changing, mm-hmm. uh, and at the moment, definitely, uh, drag is considered a performance of gender. Yes, more than more yeah. than anything else, drag is a is yeah a performance of gender, and there's nothing to say that both men and women can perform gender. Of course, they can. Mm. Uh, there's always been a thing of men dressing up as women, women dressing up as men. But why can't uh, a girl dress up as and perform a girl that's different to herself? Of course she can. Why can't a guy perform uh, a male gender as well, but as a different as a different character, as a different person? Of course he can. Uh, and but it's kind of been giving more stage time. Uh, for the girls, the, the folk queens or the bio queens that are certainly doing drag but performing gender more than anything else. Uh, and, it, it's yeah, it's like a, a very popular popular show at the moment. Where? Uh, so there's a few places in Melbourne that are sort of celebrating it. Uh, you've got, like, Molly's at, at Circuit on Smith Street. They do a, a baby drag night and every now and then they'll have a bio queen night and mm-hmm. they just have, like, sort of girls only, uh, which is really, really fun. 
uh, I think the Mersh out in Yerevel. This is yeah, a few a few of the little queer clubs are sort of celebrating it and harnessing it and trying to push it a little further, which is fun. But it's it's big in London and it's big in in the states, uh, and Australia is just sort of like catching on and celebrating it as well. Yeah, mm. because for me it was always that it's theatre and it's just you know yeah. it's that I think I was saying before just that extreme and being able to take something to that extreme. Yeah, which is very similar to like I mean part of the drag influence I had was was basically being told it was Jessica James who just yep. sort of went. You need bigger costumes and bigger hair and bigger everything. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Just huge. Yeah. And so there's this point in my career where suddenly it was not being a rock singer wearing jeans and a guitar. Yes, it was yes. suddenly sequins and massive co- – and I still – now I'm going, oh, no, other people are doing this a bit more, so I need to get even larger. That's exactly right. How? Yeah, se- sequins for everyone. <laughs> sequins for everyone, wigs for everyone. Go, go crazy with it because it's so much fun to look at. Yeah, and you've got bigger and bigger. The carrying bigger, bigger, bigger. bigger and bigger and bigger. The hair's huge. The you're, Even the body My shape. My hips are huge, Your yeah. Your hips are enormous. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, yeah. Just because the, the idea of uh, seeing someone on stage in any kind of performance spectrum is that it's that you want to you want to see a character that's bigger than life and that's larger than life yeah and you have the, the options of doing it so just go for it yeah yeah I think at, like you know a few decades ago in the, in the older days drag uh, was more specified and people were more entertained by seeing like a man in a dress and that was sort of the gimmick and 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 there it was but these days uh you know, that's not so much a gimmick anymore. It's 2016. We've progressed, as we were discussing before. <laughs> we like to think we've progressed, and that's not uh, uh, as solely entertaining as it once was, I guess. So, yeah, it's it's becoming more concentrated on what the performance actually is. Uh, Do you yeah. think there are some people that this is a difficult question mm-hmm. that are more protective of it? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, there, there, there definitely is, and I think it, this goes with any art form or any any trade. Even uh, the older generation are going to hold uh, any style of performance or work uh, close to heart because they've got a connection with it. They've been doing it for such a long time, and it's uh, it's part of who they are. They don't want to see that changed or ruined by anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have young people coming in, who they might. S- consider not having as much uh, life experience or uh, not as much understanding of the art form as they might or of the history even. or of the history absolutely mm. uh yeah they're, they're you know they're not they're going to be against it they're not going to entertain the idea at all um and i think that i was having a conversation with uh, thorgy thor from season eight of rupaul's drag race about oh. this the other day uh there's a i uh there's a something that I've definitely seen in the last two years that I've been sort of doing drag so much more. There's a real lack of the younger generation having any kind of uh, desire to understand the history of what has come before them, and they're all they're, they're very happy to watch YouTube and learn how to do makeup and put on a wig and a dress and run out of the house, but they've got no idea what the people who have been doing them before that. Like what their story is, you know, what they went through and how hard, yeah, you know. And there's there's really only one night in Melbourne where you can see like the older queens. It's every Saturday at DTs down in Richmond, and there's three girls are up on stage and they're just incredible. <laughs> and between their acts, they're the ones that are sitting out in the beer garden having a cigarette and a VB, like just like the old days. And they're talking, 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 and telling stories, and they're so fascinating to be around. But you go into that pub and there isn't. Uh, the, the, not, none of the kids are there. There's no baby queens there. That are, they're just sort of out celebrating themselves. And, uh, yeah, they're not really thirsty for the history. Knowing your history, mm. you know. Is, you have to. It's so, I mean, it's the same with, you know, it's the same with 
women as well. Like they're sometimes just going, oh, you realise you couldn't do this then? Like, sure. And, and, yeah, particularly, I think particularly in the LGBTIQ community, like there must be just so many people who who just have had to seek so much and struggle so much. And it's not that it's not been very it's long. It's not that long. It's such a recent times, yeah. So, I mean, it was, but it's still fucking illegal in Tasmania in the 90s, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, up until 96, I think. Which is in 20 years ago, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, <laughs> I have, the, yeah, I have this about a few things where, where I'm a little bit older than some other comedians and they'll do some joke about such and such and I just go, oh, that hurts a bit more if you were there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, I think it is. I mean, that's true of humanity, I think. I think if you understand, understanding um, history and having some interest in history without being a complete nerd about it, which you can be as well, which is also fine. Which is absolutely fine, yeah. But ha- just that's having really some useful. sort of interest is really useful. And respectful, I and think. And respectful. That's that's even more prevalent. That's even more important. Yeah, yeah. respectful. Yeah, to, to people who've, you know, done a lot of stuff. And, and, and you know what, it's, it's the same, it's, it is the same uh, on a much more trivial level, but it's the same with... For example, in comedy or something like that, mm-hmm. and 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 when you might get a young comedian who sort of doesn't know anything about what anybody else has done before them and how great some of the people that are around and still around and what they've contributed to yeah. to that legacy and um, and I think that that is important. I don't like it when you get young performers, not just young performers, let's say new performers, who are very like, um, who cares? Like that's just so old. Like I just don't care about that. Right. Like, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Don't get me wrong, guys. I'm not talking about any of you that I know, but just that when you get a feeling of. Uh, they've actually done quite a lot of really good stuff. Really? And, yeah, really important stuff. Yeah, and have changed the way that that genre works in this country or... I, mean, I think I always think that the burlesque scene in Melbourne over the past maybe 10 years is a really good example of uh, how... Uh, yeah, of how these things look if it's fast-tracked, you know? Burlesque was huge, maybe... Goodness me, like maybe like eight or nine years ago. Yeah, about two, I remember about the time I started in two thousand five, two thousand six was like Red Door Burlesque. Yeah, and go go and yeah. doing something. It was it was it was huge and it was incredible and the the girls that were working were just amazing mm. and amazing costumes, amazing shows and they they lived and breathed it. And in such a short space of time, it got so popular that uh, I saw it, it happening. was infiltrated. And venues were paying smaller fees to the newer girls to get to make it more affordable, but advertising burlesque so they're still getting the crowds, and it, it just died in the ass. <laughs> Can I say that? It's up to you. So quickly, it, and uh, yeah, so quickly, and it was so sad to see because it was so much fun. And there's, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's still a whole bunch of girls that are still working and doing incredible burlesque, and I, I love them, like your Becky Lou's, your Frankie Valentine. They're all amazing. Mm. But uh, it just is not as uh, as celebrated as it maybe it might have been, you know, five ten years ago. It felt really unique then. It yeah, felt like it a felt really special, special polished, it felt special. Yeah, yeah. I, I even remember talking to a couple of. I was meeting some of those young ones yeah. that were coming up as I was just starting, and um, and I was remember talking to a couple of the older guard that was just like any. Any 20-year-old in a school dress thinks that that's it, that's burlesque, like that's it. dancing that's exactly to a cramp right. song and that's it. Mm. And then you – and you're right. It did. It felt to me that it kind of went a bit, oh, what, yeah. well, this was – where's it gone? Yeah. We've spread this very thin. It just felt, it felt like it <laughs> happened so quickly, yeah. And I, I get really worried about a, a similar thing happening to the drag scene. Really? Maybe here in Melbourne. Yeah. 
Yeah, the decline. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say that there's been a decline, but there's been a huge change in the last. Well, since I started, so since I've been paying attention, three and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, I mean, may, may, I could be wrong, but I no, I I really there's been a huge change since I first started to like what's happening now, and I have no idea what the future is. I I think the future's bright. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it, you know. But uh, I don't know what it is, and I'm very intrigued. Do you think that's a, a glut of, or do you think that's part of that thing of a newer wave, maybe not understanding that the specialness of it? I, I, it's, it's really too. Don't have to early say to anything. Say. If you yeah, don't want I don't. To. I, I, I really, I really, I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, yeah, it's it's too hard to say. It's too hard to say. <laughs> but we'll see, hey, we'll see. You do feel like it might be you might be at a bit of a crossroads in terms of types of yeah. performance making. Yeah. I hope yeah, I hope that it's just a um uh it's it's just going through a change and that yeah. there's absolutely huge future and I, if that's the case I'm very excited to see what it is. Yeah. yeah, but I hope that it I hope that it's not going to lose its appeal and its glamour. Which it can't. How can't. could it? How could it? How could it? <laughs> Transition. How's your dog? Oh my goodness. So just yesterday, uh, I have a standard poodle and she's eight months old. And oh. yesterday we gave her her first proper haircut. Oh. We gave her the pom-pom cut. <laughs> and so she's got this huge fluffy head and these huge ears. She's shaved the rest of her body apart from a pom-pom on her tail and each of her legs. And she's the, the cutest craziest like running teddy bear toy I've ever seen in my life and I'm obsessed with her <laughs> I'm so jealous it's the, it's so funny they're smart dogs too they're one of the most intelligent so clever yeah, yeah. Uh, she yeah she like jumped up into the bed and was like sleeping with us this morning and I woke up and looked at her and I thought what has my life become who am I I actually don't even know myself anymore I'm really her. jealous <laughs> I'm so jealous everyone who's got a dog I'm really jealous of you but you must rent how did you manage that well of course the landlord doesn't know that she exists what <laughs> we've got one of those landlords it's never been over to the- he actually he doesn't my landlord doesn't even know that I live in the house to be honest <laughs> Oh, not even I exist anywhere. Yeah, we just, um, yeah, she's, we've never had an inspection in like two years that we've been there. Oh, my guy pops around all the time unannounced. Sure. Yeah, not, not to inspect. Nice. He doesn't mind that I'm a mess. He knows what I'm like, but he always pot, he always potters around. So I've never had the guts to ask him. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 and now, as given that conversation before we went on air, I'm not <laughs> sure what, whether it's the right time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but I'm, it's such a thing. I, oh, I complain about it all the time, but I wish, I wish. I've had I've had dogs while I've been renting more than I haven't had dogs while I've been renting and it's never I've I've ne- it's never been a problem. I've never they've never destroyed their house or anything. No, well that's this is the no, thing they they've, they've got a much worse reputation than cats. A much worse reputation. And I feel like if I was going to to tear up a door or something, you'd be the first one to replace it before you moved out because it's your dog tore up the door like it's yeah. not, it's not a problem. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to clean up my house, but looking around <laughs> at the, the disaster area, but but you know, I mean, yeah, there's not much my place is 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 one room one or two rooms with carpet and the rest is tiled anyway. Yeah, what could it possibly do? Well, my landlord kind of went when he, when I moved in, he built the places and he didn't build it while I was moving in. It was mm. built quite a few years prior. And and he said I just wanted to tenant proof it, which is why I have the same tiles on the floor as I do on the kitchen bench. Yeah. <laughs> 
exactly the same tiles. Tenant proof. I love it. And, and they're very small and yep. there's a lot of grouting. And you know what? I think now I've probably consumed so much bacteria from 25 years and whatever the fuck is in those fucking tile groutings that I am immortal. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't really want to test that theory. Not anytime soon. Just yet. Yeah. Uh, and incidentally, the um, the Jesus Christ picture on yeah, the wall is, to ask you. is ironic. Okay, I thought so. Okay, good. I just wanted to check. I, pre- I presumed as much. <laughs> because it's this incredible frame. I, I, yeah. I don't know if it works. It's supposed to light up. You see he's got a little burn mark under his eye. That's where the globe was. Um <laughs> I'm too scared to plug it in because I've picked it up secondhand at the at the St Anthony's Noble oh. Park Parish Fache, which is where I went to high, um, primary school. Yeah. And my mother was appalled that I bought it, but I just went, I kind of, I kind of love it. It's really. Why would someone want a light up framed Jesus for the house? Bit, it's a bit um, more of a Mediterranean Catholic thing. Oh, I had, I had, a, I had a, my best friend in high school was Sri Lankan, and I remember going to his grandparents' house, and they just had. All of the like the electronic light up Jesus memorabilia, and we were convinced that the house was haunted. Um, oh, and I'm sure it probably was just by the memorabilia. <laughs> there are also the the, the glow in the dark figurines. Yeah, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why not? I we I remember it. Yeah, the, the I was St Mary's in Dandenong was my <laughs> brought up. <laughs> And uh, were they sell yeah glow in the dark rosary beads, which I mean speaks for itself. It's obviously I so that you those. can do your rosary beads in the dark. But <laughs> the the idea of anyone doing the rosary beads in the dark with a set of glow in the dark rosary beads is horrifying. I think it's hilarious. It's so scary. It's so funny. My mother used to have, I think she still has it, this um, ceramic figure of the Virgin Mary, and it was about a foot high mm-hmm. and on some little kind of mound of something. They're always like standing on snakes or some shit. Anyway. <laughs> And she had her hands together in the prayer position in front of her, looking down and looking demure. And yep. I, and there's some vestiges of red on her hands because when I was quite a small child, I took my mother's 1980s bright red nail polish and painted <laughs> Mary's nails, which just looked a bit like she dumped her hands into a bucket of pig's blood. Yeah. But, but to me, it was beautiful. Beautiful. And but- like, what's going on in my brain that I went, <laughs> I need to paint the Virgin Mary's nails blood red. Oh. It's Sacrilege. probably 1983, and I I'm like, it. yeah. You know, I was, uh, I was actually his something for. I was an altar boy when I was younger mm. for years and years, and uh, I that was a pretty horrifying experience for me because the other altar boys who were much older than me were so naughty, and we would have to get to church maybe like an, a half an hour before the mass <laughs> to put our robes on, and we had a little like holding room that we would do that in, and uh, we also had those candles that we would uh, hold during the procession and they were gas candles so once they were, were lit because I think the flame was like a symbol that Jesus was there with you yeah they were gas candles they would never go out yeah and um there was also a large uh collection of mortine spray cans under the kitchen <laughs> under the sink in this room and we used to get though not me the older boys would get the gas candles and they'd light them and spray the mortine oh, into no. the candle across the room and because it was <laughs> because they were gas it would never go out and it was just this huge flamethrower that these boys would have in their in their robes and uh it was hor- i was always so scared that someone was going to walk in but we would do it every single sunday oh my god <laughs> every sunday yeah oh i had no idea we had so much in common <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I was wondering why you were sounding so familiar when I was talking about Dandenong before. It's like, oh, are you from Dandenong? Oh, I grew up in Dandenong too. Oh, yeah, yeah, God. yeah. I was schooled there for 13 years or something. 
Oh my! I had no idea. Mm. Oh wow! Mm. So you understand? Oh, I understand so well. (laughs) (laughs) I was a dandy kid as well. I think I remember St Mary's. Yeah, uh, McRae Street. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I didn't enjoy school. No, oh, I was head honcho of the kids. I had no problem with the kids, but. No, I was one of those awful sort of smart, shy, nerdy ones that sure. then found out that they could perform. Right, and then found out at the end of the at the end of the schooling, like last last day of schooling, two of the cooler kids kind of went, and we're always really jealous of you. And I was like, why the fuck didn't you <laughs> yeah, tell me that? Where were you the last thirteen years? <laughs> why didn't you tell me before? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, always the way. And I had the hangover of uh, my mother being a teacher at my primary school, so a lot of the people at my primary oh, school went to my high school. Right. So I had a, a lot of shit in primary school as well as yeah, and some of that carried over. That would uh, the, that would never be easy. All the kids I remember that had parents as teachers, they they didn't have a good time. I think in primary school, my. Uh, my uncle used to be engaged to my vice principal, uh, but that he then dumped her and got married to someone else. And she was so nice to me, but like obsessively nice. But um, I could tell was really bitter about that breakup. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I knew somebody who was in my year level, and I think her older sister started dating her that the younger girl's English teacher. Oh wow. That was fucking dodgy. Okay. That was like, whoa, Dandenong. Hey. Dandenong, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, that's great. Thank you so much for coming around. Oh, thanks for having me. This is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I will see you soon. Yeah. Maybe the next Nancy. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, that's, that's a few weeks away. Is it? Who's on? September. Oh, well, okay, that's not a word. September's. Saturday is September's the word I'm a month. <laughs> Saturday the 3rd of December with Betty Grumble. Uh, and Felicity Frocaccino, uh, both from Sydney. I'm sure it was great because this probably won't go out before then. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was great. Who did we also have? And Par- we had Paris and Raven, the boylesque superstar. Is Raven back? He will be. Oh, oh well, yes. For a visit. For a visit, yeah. Oh, from moved, coming back. He moved to Berlin and we miss him. We miss him so much. But I guess by the time this is out, he'll be back here in, in Melbourne. Oh, yeah, he might be. I'll see how it go. It really mm. depends because I've been checking my phone while you're here and I'm getting some scary phone calls. Oh. I got a phone call from my, my mother. My mother rang. Great. You know what that's about. Yeah. I bet you can't wait to take that. Uh, <laughs> and my comedy festival venue. So gotta, uh, Okay. There's an afternoon of work right there. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be good. Thanks, Richard. <gasps> Thank you, Geraldine. <laughs> Hoarders. Religious iconography, Catholicism in general, and how fucked the Facebook algorithms really are. Yep, they've got us into this mess. Don't forget to book tickets to the next edition of Nancy on the 3rd of December 2016. It's on at the 86 in Collingwood. And please, for the love of God, book tickets to my album launch on the 11th of December, bellaunion.com.au. I went to St John's High School. Me too. Did you go to St John's? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I did. I absolutely did. Yeah. Hey, what years were you there? Oh, good. Uh, two thousand to two thousand and four. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I left in two thousand and five and did another. And I went to Hampden Park 
because uh, I couldn't stand St. John's anymore. I graduated in, t- in 92. Okay. So I was a fair bit before <laughs> yep, you. Yep. But we went to the same... We may have had some of the same teachers. Well, we absolutely would have. The teachers were, yeah, that had been there for ever, since the school opened. Did you I, have Miss Miss John or Mrs. McKenzie? Music? Did you do music? Mm, no, I didn't. No, I didn't do music. Literature? Uh, art? Literature, yeah. Bujahari? Yes. I had Percy Bujahari. Oh, goodness. Percy Bujahari is the best. Percy Bujahari? Mauritian. Yeah, I don't remember the name. I can't put a face to it, but that, yeah, so familiar. He had a, he had a goatee without a mo. Oh, always. Yeah. Oh, no, I really, I can't put a face. I feel like, yeah, he was absolutely one of my teachers. He was one of the best teachers I had. He did literature. Um, so, oh, of, oh yeah, heavy smoker? Uh, no. Hmm. I don't think he smoked. The heavy uh, smoker I remember was Mr. Bourbon. He used to walk around the, the campus Bourbon. going, I'm riddled with cancer, riddled with Mr. it. Mr. Bourbon. No, yeah, okay, he was, he was the guy. smoker. Yeah, 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 that's who I'm thinking of. Percy's, All right. Percy's Mauritian, so he's not a white no, man. No, he's not a white guy. <laughs> Mr. Um, Bourbon, yeah, he was. He, I had him for two years and he was a heavy smoker. Heavy. He was a great teacher. Oh, okay. I really enjoyed <laughs> I really enjoyed him. Um, I really enjoyed what him. What about Anne Murphy? She's still there, art teacher. Oh, yeah, maybe year seven art. Yeah, she's really Rings lovely. Happy, she's um, happy face, big dimples, really lovely smile. Mm. I ran into her outside. Um, outside. Oh, you remember this so well and it was longer ago I for wasn't you. a drinker then. And, um, <laughs> well, I was. That was that problem. <laughs> Taking a strange God. turn. <laughs> Oh my god. Cabaret podcast. 